Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Man, I'll be so glad when we're done with these things. I want to see your faces. When, uh, when Pastor and I first met, um, uh, not first met in real life, but became aware of each other, I was Michelle Lang. I am now Michelle Lang Raymond, because um, I got married during the pandemic, because that's no big deal. <laughs> and uh, amen. So I've been married, in pandemic years, I've been married five years. <laughs> Some of you will catch that later. Thank God for my husband who is traveling with me, Jay, um, and um, who I'm honored uh, to do life with now. I'm thankful for him. Um, it's an honor to be here with you all. How y'all doing? Good. Okay, I don't have a lot of time for, uh, for informalities and stuff because I got a message from Amy that said, hey, we're going to do something in between services, so can you preach for like 25, 30 minutes? And I'm like, I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm Pentecostal, huh? <laughs> Like, you're asking a lot, sister. You're asking a lot. But so, giving honor to all the people for whom honor is due and all of that jazz, I'm going to jump right into the message this morning. Is that all right? The all that jazz made it sound really irreverent, but I really meant it from, the, from my heart. So, all right, good morning. So, um, I'm thankful to be here on uh, the day that Pastor just outlined. Um, uh, because I think the, the word that the Lord has given me for us this morning ties, ties so directly, uh, directly into it. I'm, I'm coming with a word about worship uh, this morning. Let me just, before I jump in, I, I, do, I have to do this. It's just part of my, my, my heart and my culture. Um, I want to just say thanks to Pastor uh, Pete and to Sean and to Amy and to Justin and to everybody who's uh, been so hospitable to us for the last uh, two and a half days. We got here on Friday, um, and we're just sort of going to take it as a time to just sort of breathe and rest um, before we came to join you today. Um, Friday, that worked really well. Um, Saturday, though, I had one mission in addition to resting, and that was to find some appropriate church shoes. And, um, and so I was like, there's a, there's a mall right across from where we're staying. We'll just go there and we'll, we'll find some appropriate church shoes according to my Mississippi-raised mother and family. And, uh, and just, you know, so you know, four hours later, <laughs> what the heck? Four hours later, eight, eight stores later, uh, we landed on these doozies. And so this is what you're getting today. Okay. Want to see? Basically, and I feel like I have to say that because because if I don't, it'll bother me all morning. And so, uh, because my mother would say, "There's a certain kind of shoe you're supposed to wear at church," and uh, but Bend, Oregon, said not so. And so, and so here we are. So again, uh, good morning. Let's jump in. I want to. I try not to be um, driven by the secular uh, calendar. Uh, when it comes to sort of, you know, what's on my heart to preach, because I feel like 
is it really on my heart or is it just something driven by the secular calendar? So I'm, I'm one of those people that's frustrated, uh, you know, that on Mother's Day and Father's Day and, and other kinds of things where we sort of shape uh, the messages on church around those things. And so I was determined not to come and preach any holiday-driven message today. Amen? Um, I was like, eh, right? Amen. So you, you feel what I'm saying, right? I'm gonna, it's a spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil it. And I was like, I don't want to be driven by a secular holiday, you know, that's coming up and, and preach into that. Um, and then the Holy Spirit sort of sat me down and said, Christmas, of all holidays, uh, is the most not secular one. And actually, that's the problem is that we have, we have become secularized about it. Uh, but we need to get back to um, the worship that Christmas is supposed to be. So I know I'm jumping ahead of Thanksgiving, but I'm only going to be here today, and I won't be able to be back. So I want to lean in and get an early start. Is that all right? Amen. amen. You guys feel good. I don't even have to, like, give you the whole amen, preach, you know, all that stuff. Y'all feel good. So I have come to preach somewhat of a, of a Christmas story today, but it's not, it's not a story of the baby who was born but it's really more about the people uh, who came to worship that baby, the people that came to worship him. There's a passage that says they came to worship, and it's talking, it's talking about those people. And I know we spend most of our energies around this time of year talking about the baby Christ, and we should. But there's also another segment that we need to pay attention to, and that's the people that said they came to worship him. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this time, this place, this occasion to which you have called us to, not just a time on the clock or an address on the building um, or a service that we call church, but God, to this eternal moment that you've called us to. Thank you. God, we, we want to see you and hear from you and know more of you and, 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 and spend space and time, this thing that we call time with you. So God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Let us all leave here better than we came, empowered by your spirit. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen. Amen. In Genesis 22 and Matthew chapter 2, we see the, uh, the first mention of the word worship. And as you do any kind of study, you know, there's sort of this law of first mention, like where's, where's something first mentioned in the scripture? Because where something is first mentioned in the scripture, you should probably try to siphon as much as you can about that thing from where it is first mentioned. So in Genesis 22 and in Matthew 2 is the, are the places that we find the word worship and, and the idea of worship first mentioned in the scripture. The Old Testament talks about it, Genesis 2, 22, excuse me, it happens when Abraham sets out on the mountain to offer up his son to the Lord. You know that passage. And then in the New Testament, the Second Testament, it happens when the Magi um, set out to go meet this newborn king. Amen? Uh, now, I just want to show, I want to get us on the same page really quick as we, as we jump into what it meant when it said they came to worship. A standard definition of worship uh, is a reverent honor and homage, that's a fancy word, paid to God or a sacred personage uh, or any object that we regard as sacred. Amen. Uh, it is a devotion. It's a devotion. Worship is a devotion. 
It's a commitment. It's an honoring. It's a decision and a choice to devote yourself to something. We use that word worship so much now that it's become a a little bit watered down uh, and even misused, I would say. It's taken on a connotation of something that you do in a space like this. Amen? Like you say, I'm going to worship. Even our leader this morning, and so many leaders do it, like enter into this time of worship. This is just one display, but, but we sort of have reduced worship down to this thing that we do in here. Amen? Um, and that kind of fits with the, uh, I don't know, with the, with, the, with, the, with the day and time that we live in, um, because it's sort of this notion that we sort of opt into worship um, based on whatever, however we define it. Um, and again, that sort of matches the culture and the time that we live in, because we live in kind of an opt-in society. Amen. If you don't, if, if that doesn't make sense, what I mean is, I don't remember the last time I bought a whole CD. <laughs> right? I don't remember the last, like, and some of the younger people are like, who does that? I know, there was a time where you had to buy a whole CD or a whole record or a whole album or a whole library, whatever it was. Like, if you, you couldn't just buy one book of an encyclopedia. The encyclopedia is like this whole thing right? I don't remember the last time I bought a whole album. I go online like many of you do. I pick what song I like. I pick that song, and that's the song I'm going to opt in for. Amen? I still get mad when my iTunes library pops up and the whole U2 album is on there because I didn't opt to buy that whole album. (laughs) Right? I didn't. I like the songs. I I like them, and I like the songs. But whenever it comes on my iTunes, I'm like, hey, I did not opt in for that. You, you created a devotion for me that I did not opt in for, right? Again, we live in an opt-in society. I don't remember the last time I went to a restaurant and ordered something from the menu as is and ate it as is. I don't, I go, I say, hey, can I have that? But none of this, none of that, none of this. And can you please add some of this, some of that, some of this, Right? Because I, I see what you're offering me, but I, wanna, I, I only want to really commit to it if I have a choice on how, on how it's prepared, right? Or on what I'm opting into. Trail mix. I don't, I don't, so, I, so, you know, you go to the grocery store, you can buy, you can buy the pre-made trail mix thing, right? Um, but then there's this aisle where there's all the stuff where you can go in and you can pick, like, the certain things you want, of the trail mix. So I'm not going to buy the, the pre-made box or bottle or bag or whatever of trail mix. I'm going to go to the aisle where you can opt for all the stuff that you want and put it in your bag. Nine times out of 10, what I opt in for is exactly the same thing <laughs> as the pre-made bag, but it's not the same because I opted in for all of these ingredients. Amen. That's kind of the society that we live in. Did it get dark? Is that how I'm doing it? Should I just keep rolling? Okay. I need a little light. I'm, I'm of a certain age. Um, I don't remember, thank you. I don't remember the last time. <laughs> I don't remember the last time that my phone rang and I didn't look at the caller ID to decide if I want to do that person right now. Right? If you're from my grandmother's age, if the phone rang and you answered it, you took your chances. Whoever, I'm just, I'm opting in to whatever that is. And we live in a culture, we live in a society where heaven forbid anybody, including God, uh, ask us or ask me to devote to something that I didn't have a hand in designing, right? Heaven forbid you ask me to do something called worship where I opt into it, the whole of it, all of it, 
regardless of what it is. I think when we look at the passages that we're going to look at this morning and we see the place where it says they came to worship or we're going to worship, what we'll notice is a couple of people who said, I'm opting into the wholeness of that thing, to all of it. I'm opting in for, for all of it. As I look at the Magi who said, we have come to worship him, I just don't think that they had uh, anything in mind that was anything less than full devotion to this new king that they were in search of and longing to see. I don't think they had in mind anything other than whatever worship means, that's what I'm going to do. What, whatever it entails, whatever it requires of me, whatever devotion it requires of me, that's what I'm going to do. As we're looking and as we sit on the sort of edge of another Christmas season, another new and different, even more different than ever before Christmas season, I want to sort of hopefully inspire us to look at how we worship Jesus as an all-in devotion. Amen? As something that we're like, I'm all in for it. Not just the parts that I like, not just the parts that I agree with, but I'm actually all in. Whatever it means this season to worship Jesus, the king who is king of all, whether we declare him to be or not, whatever it means to worship him, um, that's what I'm here for. Excuse me. We have come to worship him. Before we delve into the text, I want to tell you what I want you to see. I want you to see what, what, what I saw after a lot of years of leading worship. I saw that worship was uh, regularly three things simultaneously working together. Um, and it has very little or it has nothing or very little to do with, again, this, this space that we just call worship. But I want, I want you to see these three things, and I think it will come up on the screen. Worship is three things. It is sacrificial. It is pleasing. And it is holy. At all times, interchangeable, interworking. Worship is at all times sacrificial. It is pleasing. And it is holy. As we look at what we call worship, we should always be asking ourselves, is what I'm calling worship, this devotion, this commitment, this reverence, is it sacrificial? Is it pleasing? And is it holy? Let's read um, Matthew chapter 2, verses 2 through 12 together. I'm not sure... If I have that on the screen, do I? Oop, I can't see that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Something happened about five years ago, y'all. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Something happened where my eyes were like, mm-hmm, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been fun, but uh, I got some news for you. All right. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 2, it says this. It says, and they asked, I'm sorry, I'm just going to start from verse 1, so just hang tight. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the, pe- all, the, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet 
has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had been, that, that had seen, excuse me, when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Again, worship is sacrificial, it is pleasing, and it is holy. The Magi are important people. They're, they're, they're religious kings, and their whole life is dedicated to and motivated uh, by this promised king, by finding uh, and receiving and worshiping and following this promised king. And embedded ever so, uh, I think, subtly in this very familiar passage of scripture, I think they lay out the blueprint of, of what worshiping Jesus is all about, especially, again, as we enter into this season, uh, this season of, of Thanksgiving and Christmas. They, they lay out a blueprint for us. Worship, let's start here, is sacrificial. They traveled at least two years. We're not even counting the time that they had done before we entered this, this narrative, this story. They travel at least two years just to find him. Amen? Just to find him. Just to find the, the crying, pooping, screaming baby Jesus. Just to find him, they travel two years. Now, before you get on your 2021 mindset about what traveling for two years looks like, because I know some of you have RVs and scooters and Vespas and all that stuff. I get it. So for you, traveling two years is not a big deal. You just need a passport and a way to get around. But for two years for them, this is out in the, out, out in the, in the great outdoors with no protections that we are accustomed to now. They traveled with those kind of discomforts and those kind of inconveniences and those kind of unpredictabilities and uncertainties. They traveled for two years just to find him. Amen? For some of us, if we don't see Jesus like this, we're like, oh, I'm, I'm done looking. I'm done looking. If I don't show up and Jesus shows up when I show up, I'm done looking. For them, there was a sacrificialness just in looking for him. When they say we are coming to worship, they're saying all of us, all of, all of our being is devoted to just finding him. There's a sacrifice to their search, to their longing, to their wanting to see and be and be near this king, this Messiah, this baby, Jesus. It's pleasing. Their worship is pleasing. It says that at a certain point, they started to unpack their gifts or to bestow to him their gifts, right? And it said, and you know the story, their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. Here's what I love. Here's what I find. Here's what I love, and here's what I find informative about their gifts. Their gifts are pleasing um, to the, to the, to, to the to, to any, pleasing and have value to any and all. 
along the way of their two-year travel, they didn't just sort of pick up rocks along the way. Amen? They didn't just sort of pick up sticks and said, he's a baby, he'll like this. They didn't just sort of pick up a, a, a camel or a donkey that was lost. Like, they actually took time to prepare to prepare what they were going to bring to this baby. And not just prepare it, um, but, but keep it, preserve it, make sure it was still good when they got to him. And not only was the stuff, uh, stuff that they actually took time to prepare, but it was stuff that had value on the market. Their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh actually had value to the family. It wasn't just something that was a throwaway gift. It was something that was pleasing and useful and valuable. A lot of us, we treat worship like, I'll just do any old thing. I'll just give any old thing. I'll just show up any old way. But the Magi said, no, we're gonna bring stuff that is pleasing and that has value, that has worth to this family, and not just to this family, but maybe we don't know what to expect. So we're gonna bring something that has value beyond the moment even. What they brought was pleasing. And thirdly, what they brought, or what they, what, they, what they defined as worship, was holy. You see in the text that it talks about um, how in a dream they were told, and they, and they agree, and they, and they uh, uh, were obedient to, that they said, we, we will not go back to the kingdom of Herod. We will not go back to a way that we know is counter to the way that we are pursuing in Christ. Amen? Whatever that means. We know that we have given our life or we have lived our life in a, in a world where we have been obedient uh, and submissive to the, to the rule and the law of King Herod. But we've come to a new place. We've come and we've met Jesus. We've come to worship Jesus, whatever that means. And this is the part that they didn't know. And yet we're still devoted to. They said, we will not go back another. We will not go back the way that we came. Amen? We will, we will not subject ourselves, our new selves, in light of the Jesus that we have just met. We will not subject ourselves to an old way of thinking, to an old way of governance, to an old way of ruling. We will not go, no matter what else it might cost us going forward, we will not go back to the way that we came. Amen? Their worship was sacrificial. It was pleasing and it was holy. A lot of us sometimes look at worship as, um, again, the thing that we do in here, and that's where it starts and that's where it stops. It doesn't necessarily extend out into our lives outside of here. I read a book many years ago called Unchurched. Um, I forget who it's by. It's by a, a couple of guys that uh, do a lot of research. And it was, a, it was a book called Unchurched, and it said that one of the things that we have become masters at in our society is compartmentalizing our faith. So our faith exists in here, but it doesn't really exist in the, in the compartment that we call work. It doesn't really exist in the compartment that we call school. It doesn't really exist in the compartment that we call relationships or our money or our leisure. It exists really in here, and we separate it from all the other things out there, that we've become kind of experts in that. But worship as a devotion says that worship has to be infused in all of those areas and in all of those ways. Amen. I wonder 
as we start to engage this season? How can we change our mind? How can we retool our mind to be, to be redefined by this blueprint of what worship is? Amen? I don't have time to read it, you know, black woman Pentecostal, but <laughs> if I did and we jumped back to um, the, uh, the narrative of Abraham from the, from the Old Testament, it talks about where, where Abraham is going to take his son and he says to his, to his people, uh, don't mind us, don't worry about us, I'm going to go, we are going to go and worship the Lord. And what happens is, is Abraham goes and he's, he's forced with a, with a lofty decision uh, to offer his son uh, as, a, as a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and, um, uh, and, I, I, and hopefully, as you know the narrative, uh, Abraham gets up there, and just as he is about to do that, uh, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, don't do anything. Stop. You've done enough. I have seen your worship. I have seen your worship. I want to talk a little bit about that. I have, I've done this workshop which highlights worship as four things, and I'll go through them really fast. It says worship is, number one, it's an action. Worship glorifies the authority and the will of God, and worship expresses, uh, or its expression is, is matches, matches an estimation, and worship inspires. I don't have time to go through all four, but I want to focus on just that first one for a second. Worship is an action. It's an activity. It's a tangible, quantifiable thing that we can see and that we can do. A lot of times we just want to think about worship as, oh, it's just something I think about. It's just something that I feel, and it's just something that, I, that just sort of exists within me. But by this blueprint, by the Magi's blueprint, and by Abraham's blueprint, worship is actually something that is an activity. It's an action. It's something that comes out of you, that, that happens in this real world. Amen. It's something where the angels from heaven can say to Abraham, we see your worship. We don't have to guess about your devotion. We don't have to wonder about your, your observances or who you, who you say about God or what you say about God or what you say about your devotion of God. We don't have to wonder about that. We see it. It's a tangible action and activity. But a lot of us, even in these moments, even in this season, we just want to say, well, my worship is kind of private. My worship is kind of something just between me and God. My worship is not really anybody else's business. And I get what you're saying, but biblically, it offers us a blueprint that says, ah, actually, your worship is something that lives outside of yourself. Amen? It's something that we do. It's tangible. It's calculable. It's quantifiable. It's an activity. It's not an idea. It's not a notion. It's not a thought. Worship bears witness of what we say we believe. Worship bears witness. When we look at the Magi, again, their worship, when they say we have come to worship or we want to go to worship, their worship was bearing witness to what they said they believed. They could have just, just stayed in one place at one time doing the same thing, saying, we believe that there's a king coming, and, and eventually he, he will come to us. But they say, no, our worship bears witness to what we say we believe. It's an action. It's something that you see, and it's something um, that is not dependent on anything but what you say you believe about the Lord. Amen? I was, uh, as Pastor said, I was a campus pastor at Warner Pacific 
uh, university for a few years, for a bunch of years. And I remember this one time, um, a student was getting ready to give their recital. And, um, and, and it's their senior recital, and they were a music student. And uh, they, the first half, she did a, a, some beautiful opera work. And then the second half was, was worship music. And she did this song, uh, Alpha and Omega, and it was just, it was glorious, it was beautiful. She had a full band, she had strings, she had violins, she had, she had a small orchestra. Um, can you have a small orchestra? Well, she had all the pieces of an orchestra, but in a small way. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was fantastic. It was, it was fantastic. And she does this Alpha and Omega song, and, and it was incredible. And she asked the whole room to stand and worship with her. Um, and the room does, on cue, the, you know, the room, the room does that. And when it was over, one of the students who was standing right in front of me, um, uh, when it was over, the student standing in front of me turns around and says to me, I'm, I'm a new, past, new campus pastor at this point, um, well, t- a couple years in, and he says to me, he goes, Pastor Michelle, if we had this kind of stuff uh, during chapel, oh my God, I would worship like I've lost my mind. I was like, stuff like what? He was like, the strings, the violins, the, the horns, the, 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 the singing, the words, just the atmosphere. If we had all of this during chapel, um, I, would just, I, I just wouldn't be able to contain my worship. And I found that really interesting because in this moment where she invited all of us to worship, people did stand. They did do that. They did respond to that call, but they were still pretty stoic. They still kind of held on to their, the back of their chairs, right? They still kind of held on and, and, you know, maybe did this a little bit, you know, which for me at Pentecostal, that's just the beginning of a woo-ha, right? And they, and, but they, for the most part, were just sort of reserved, and contained. And I had this thought, I was like, you literally just had all of that. The thing that you say you need to provoke you to worship, the things that you say you need to, to, to call your devotion out, the things that you say you need to be all in for Jesus, to be all in as a worshiper, to be as, as expressive as you want to be, all the things that you say you need to be that you literally just had that and on your chair right this is where you stayed a lot of us two years ago would have said something like oh god we need something to shake us up and get us back to worship Oh, God, we need something that reminds us and calls us back to the feet of Jesus. Oh, God, we just need something that's going to call from us that devotion that we declare. In 2020, there was this thing called a pandemic that you would think would shake us and call us and move us and require of us the activity of devotion of which we speak. And for many It actually did the exact opposite. It just sort of called us to go back in and not to come sacrificial, pleasing, or holy, but just to hold on to it until all the things that I need for worship to be happening happen. And I want to say to us, devotion is not dependent on anything but what you say you believe. Devotion, commitment, worship is not dependent on anything but what you say you believe.
and who you say you honor. All the things that we keep saying, oh, if we just had a little bit more of this, if they just sang the right songs, if they just, if they just, if they, if the colors were right, if the fonts were better, if the lights were better, if they just, if everything was just, you know, if everything was just, then, oh my God, I could worship so freely. Hmm. Worship is a devotion that is sacrificial, that is pleasing, that is holy, and I would add that shows up, that shows up without any conjuring, without any conniving. Worship shows up in how you give the gift, not the gift itself, but how you give it. Worship shows up in how you serve. Worship shows up in how you give. Worship shows up in how you live and how you talk and how you relate. Lord, may my life be a worship in such a way that it shows up in everything I do. In everything I do. I'm not waiting for a prompt that makes my worship for real. My worship is for real and it shows up in everything I do. It's a devotion. Amen. I hope we can be inspired in this moment. I hope we can be charged in this moment to have a worship that's not dependent on anything but delivering to the Lord our time, our talent, our treasure, our sacrifice, our obedience, our attention that not only does he deserve, but we say he deserves. Worship is an action. It's an activity it's not the stuff that we just do in service. That's, too, that's barely the tip of the iceberg. My hope is as we sit on the verge of, of, a, of a holiday season, a Christmas season, as we sit on the cusp of another, of another, of another uh, season of, of sacred worship unto the Lord, that we would come to worship Christ in this season. As the Magi said, we will come to worship him. I hope, I pray I'm, I'm beseeching us to say we have come to worship him. We have come to be sacrificial, to be pleasing, and to be holy. Amen? Amen. Let me just, I want to give you this one little thing, and then I'm done. There's a song that reminds me of this, and it goes like this. It says, let my life be a worship let my life be a praise let my life be a vessel bringing glory to your name let my life sing hallelujah for your goodness and your grace let my life be a worship let my life be a praise let my life be a worship let my life be a praise let my life be a blessing giving glory to your name let my life sing hallelujah for your goodness and your grace let my life be a worship let my life